You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in on a Monday edition of the podcast. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Plenty to get to ahead on this episode of Locked On Cougars. Going to catch up with a former opponent of BYU's and also a future opponent in Keaton Slovis. He was on a podcast recently talking about his experience playing in Provo. We'll talk about that. We'll also continue with our series talking about former Cougars and their chances in the NFL. Checking in on Kyrus Tonga with Lauren Cox from Locked On Bears. What are the chances BYU's former star nose tackle makes the roster there in the Windy City? We'll get to that. And of course, we will talk about 1959 in our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown. Countdown exactly what happened that season as a new coach in Tally Stevens takes over as head man of the Cougar football program. So plenty to get to ahead on today's show. It's all brought to you today by our title sponsor, Rock Auto. Go to rockauto.com. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, and of course, all the parts your car, truck, or SUV could ever need. Check them out at rockauto.com. All right, without further ado, let's get going here on a Monday. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for June 7th, 2021. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah, in my day job. And a big thank you for joining us on your daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports right here on Locked On Cougars. If you haven't done so already, if you're just checking us out for the first time, hope you guys find this a podcast you will enjoy. We know that hundreds of you already enjoy it every single day, so a big thank you for your support in doing that. But if you haven't done so already, hit that follow button wherever you're listening in from. Whichever podcast provider you found us on, make sure you join us. That way it populates in your feed and you can listen to us every day and by extension become the smartest BYU fan in the room as that is our overarching goal here. My overarching goal is your host is to make you guys the most knowledgeable BYU fans out there. So a big thank you once again for your support of the podcast. All right, getting going here on a Monday. And let's start off with something really funny. I thought it was actually a really intriguing topic. Uh, Keaton Slovis, of course, the star quarterback for the USC Trojans, a guy that BYU beat when he's a true freshman here in Provo. Uh, very entertaining game. BYU wins it in overtime. Chaz Ayu uh, tips the ball. Uh, Diane Lake scoops up the interception, winning that game in overtime a week after BYU had gone to Tennessee and upset the volunteers there. And, well, apparently his experience dealing with BYU fans is a little bit unique. Here you go. So I was just wondering, like, what's the heckling like for you guys? Because obviously they have, it's like probably better access because there's people like right behind you because right. you're on the field. But like, what's that, the heckling game like? like, like or like the worst experience you've had with that? I have two I've, stories for yeah, you guys. I've, I've yeah. really had it. it. So my freshman year we were playing at BYU and – the craziest thing to me is like Provo's a weird place. Like we, <laughs> we kind of joke. We're cutting that one out. You can't talk about Provo, dude. Nah, you guys gotta stop talking about Provo, I heard man. It's like a Twilight Zone type. Yeah, bro, Pro, like, Provo's dope, man. Why do you like? Oh Provo? my god, bro. Have you been to you Provo? ever seen the Truman? I was on, I was the Truman on a, Show. <laughs> you're hilarious. That's, that's Provo, Utah. That's what we say all the yeah. time. That's Provo, Utah. But I was I was on I was fishing on Lower Provo like last last it's month. It's beautiful. Oh man, it's, it's a beautiful amazing. place. It's Some just, nice brownies and rainbows beautiful fly fishing uh or places but yeah 
It's great. Well, we go in and like people are like smiling, like "Thank you for coming to play." I'm like, "Okay, that's." <laughs> so we're like, "What?" And like they're like, they're, like usually they like they have you and like the people at the stadium are waiting there with like shower bag goodies for after your game, and I'm like, "What?" And they're like. I hope you enjoy like gr good luck to you guys and i'm like wait what they're like too nice and then yeah <laughs> no, but, but then keep in mind like i gotta stop laughing at this man they're all mormon right yeah so they're not most drinking of the, most of the places like 95 percent. right yeah. so like 95 percent of the, of the place isn't drinking so you like yeah. i think that's almost more intimidating because you're going in there yeah. and usually like kids are heckling you or people are heckling you like all right there's drunk <laughs> every person that stadium is sober heckling you so then when they heckle at you or like they say stuff and they're like not cussing. They're like, Slovis, you stink. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, they're right behind your bench. And you're like, in the back of your mind, you're like, this dude's sober. Yeah. And he's actively like cussing out or not cussing out, but yeah. he's just like he's heckling just... like our entire sideline. And they're like ruthless. But in the back of your mind, you're like, they're not even like being drunk and stupid. Like they're genuinely like yeah. heckling you for the sake of heckling you. And That's Notre pretty Dame, scary. This is more like normal. But Michael Pittman had an infamous quote saying, we're going to run it up on them before the game and he that was something we always say like we're gonna add it up we're gonna run it up on them and that's just something we said he accidentally said it to media Ugh. um and pitt's like yeah sorry guys uh, sorry keaton but we gotta score a lot and after <laughs> at halftime we scored three points going into half and this guy comes up and he's like pitt man you really run it up on us huh <laughs> and like then the that's entire crowd kind of gave him crap for it but those are the two like memorable things but luckily we did end up scoring yeah that'd be four in the second half but like yeah Pittman got a lot of live crap. Got a lot of yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That BYU one is pretty funny. Pro. <laughs> he said, "We're glad you're here." <laughs> Dude, that's like some Black Mirror stuff. Have you seen that, that show? Oh yeah, it's, that's, 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 that is like a, that. that's a little yeah. scary. Not gonna lie, it's yeah. very Wait. Twilight Zone, Truman Show. -esque. Wait, was it? Oh no, it was on Blacklist. You ever seen Blacklist? Yeah, that's completely different than Black. Have you seen Black? But there's like a Provo, like Utah one. Oh, where really? It's like they're like they did the I forgot what the guy's name, but you know he married like a whole bunch of women had that whole thing going again okay, not to bash pro utah like they're great people it's just like interesting <laughs> to have we'll get we're editing you not play them this year so yeah. i don't want to say anything they're great people it's just like they actually have a pretty good is it in too. utah or is it here it's here this time Luckily. it's here oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one there you go that's keaton slovis usc star quarterback on the momentum truck podcast current usc quarterback mo hassan as well as former kansas city chiefs wide receiver justin shelton mosley both the other two voices you heard there so apparently BYU fans are just too nice it unnerved Keaton Slovis for BYU fans being nice but had he really paid attention it's kind of how BYU operates let's be honest folks BYU fans by and large are some of the kindest and the most sober fans out there in the entire country there's no doubt about that and he's not kidding when he's Keaton Slovis you suck well guess what that guy likely is sober I know that not all BYU fans are sober in the stands, uh, but still, at the same time, they're having a good time. And if that's the biggest thing you can talk about BYU being the Truman Show, I think the Cougars are doing something right. But just kind of a funny thing to me. It was kind of entertaining to hear Keenan Slows talk about the fact that all these Mormon uh, fans were, were getting after him because they're all sober. <laughs> you know what? It's football, dude. Like, well, if they're drunk, I can I can shake it off. But if they're if they're sober, it's another issue. Whatever, bro. That that's your prerogative. But it made me chuckle. It's the Truman Show in Provo. Well, you know what? 
Provo is not that different, but funny enough, I'm surprised Keaton Slovis didn't know more about BYU fans, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, considering he's from Arizona, and there's a very healthy Mormon contingent. Okay, Mormon's probably the wrong term to use, but members of the LDS faith down there in Arizona. I'm surprised he didn't know more about LDS religion and whatever. Maybe he was playing it up a little bit more, but it was still highly entertaining to me to kind of see him talk about that. But I can assure him, Provo ain't the Truman Show. It is a unique place. Provo is a special, special place. It stands out from many other places that I have lived and or just visited. I lived in Provo for quite some time while going to school at BYU, but it it's still, it's... <laughs> It made me chuckle. You, you can believe what you want about Provo, but I thought it was entertaining and just kind of fun to play around with on today's show. Coming up next, though, we will continue on with some conversation we've been doing over the past couple of weeks. Former Cougars and their chances to make their respective rosters in the NFL. What are the chances that Kyrus Tonga can make the Chicago Bears as a seventh-round draft pick? Had a chance to ask Lauren Cox about that. He hosts the Locked On Bears podcast, and we'll get his thoughts on the matter here in just a few moments. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends over at Rock Auto, folks. It is the place if you need anything for your car, truck, or SUV, and I mean that sincerely. This is a family-owned company. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They want to make sure you guys are taken care of, and by the way, get you the best deals available. They've got hundreds of parts from hundreds of manufacturers. You can go to their website now, search out your vehicle, model, name, year, whatever it is, and then search out the manufacturers you have interest in, uh, the prices you're willing to pay, even the specifications you're looking for for the part you need it's all available at rockauto.com we absolutely love it here on the locked on cougars podcast and want to encourage you guys to check it out now best of all the prices they're always reliably low and the, the best part i think in my opinion is that all these parts are shipped directly to your door I recently had a blinker light on my front end of my car go out i ordered it on rockauto.com it showed up about a week later and like magic. I installed it and I got it for a very, very good price. Take advantage of all the offers they have available to you now by going to rockauto.com. While you're there, if you don't mind, please put locked on or locked on cougars in the how did you hear about us box. So that way we get some credit for you guys checking them out and sending you to their fine website. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car, truck, or SUV will ever need. Check them out at rockauto.com. You guys may have recently seen that Kyrus Tonga signed a four-year deal with the Chicago Bears, and that's good to see him signing that rookie deal with the team out there in the Windy City. And I'm looking forward to seeing what Kyrus does at the NFL level. I think he has got all of the ability to be a guy who can play at an extremely high level in the NFL, but it's all incumbent upon him being in shape, being properly motivated, and going out there and proving it. As a seventh-round draft pick, you're obviously there are some expectations from the team that you were good enough to have been picked up by that team. They believe in you. They think that you are a guy worthy of a roster slot, but you have to prove that during the offseason, during rookie mini camps, OTAs, on into training camp, etc. And I'm looking forward to seeing what Kyrus does. I believe that he's gotten his weight issues under control. Those were different issues during his time at BYU. Played probably a little higher in his weight than he would have liked to have. He talked about at Pro Day how he actually dumped a bunch of weight, but then realized, I need to be 
actually a little heavier to feel comfortable playing, that's fine. I know that the Bears, I'm sure, will have an ideal weight they want him to play at at the NFL level. And of course, they'll work with him on that and he'll have his job to do to check in at the weights they want him at or the weight they want him at. But I had a chance to catch up with Lauren Cox. He hosts Locked On Bears for us here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And this is a continuing series that we've been doing for the majority of the past two weeks, asking the respective hosts of these Locked On podcasts that host for the NFL shows, what are the chances these former Cougars get their opportunity with the team they either were drafted by or signed with during this offseason? Well, I asked Lauren Cox, what is the chance that Kairos Tonga makes the Bears roster? Here's what Lauren sent us. Hey, this is Lauren Cox from Locked On Bears, and I think there's some excitement about Kairos Tonga in Chicago. Obviously, expectations appropriate for a seventh-round pick. No one's guaranteeing him a 53-man roster spot right away, but there is a need on this team for defensive line depth, and the Bears in particular have had a lot of success finding quality rotational defensive line pieces either in the late rounds of the draft, undrafted free agents, or sometimes just veterans that they pull off of the street. And they've had a decent track record of developing them along the way. Now, the concern is that this offseason, the Bears lost their defensive line coach that was believed to be the big driving force behind this. So everyone's kind of waiting to see whether the new guy can have the same success with young, moldable players like Kyrus Tonga. But on this Bears defensive line right now, they lost a few veterans this offseason. They re-signed Mario Edwards. They've got Eddie Goldman coming back from opting out of the 2020 season for COVID-19 concerns. And... There are only five defensive linemen right now that are really more or less locked into spots, and the Bears typically keep six. And at this point, Kairos Tonga has to be at the front of that list. They've brought in a number of undrafted rookie free agents to compete with him. They have a couple of guys coming back from last year, but they don't have like a true backup nose tackle really locked into that spot. So there's a great opportunity for Tonga to come in early in his career if he can match some of that NFL learning curve and and be ready to contribute right away as a rookie. We're seeing the fan base start to rally around him a little bit early on here. The Bears social media account posted video of Tonga scoring some touchdowns. One was a handoff he got, I think, at BYU at sort of a fullback position. And then there was even a clip of him, I believe in high school, catching a pass as a tight end. So we've seen Matt Nagy in this Bears offense sometimes in the past get defensive linemen involved on offense in the red zone, particularly at the goal line as sort of some trick play magic offensive innovation and maybe some opportunities for Kyrus Tonga there down the line, maybe getting a little bit too ahead of ourselves up to that point. But it is a good situation on the depth chart. It's a good situation in terms of a track record of developing defensive linemen. And Tonga seems to have a lot of the traits the Bears might be looking for in terms of guys being able to get off the snap quickly and just move really well for people of that size. He's going to have to narrow some things down in terms of having a pass rush plan and you know keeping his leverage lower and getting his hands inside and you know all the different technical things that come with developing as a young player. But there's some hope that he can be sort of the next Bilal Nichols for the Chicago Bears, come in as a late round rookie defensive lineman and really make that initial year one impact. Back then, Akeem Hicks called Bilal Nichols my rookie. That's my rookie out there. And there's some hope in Chicago that Kyrus Tonga can be Akeem Hicks's next rookie that can come under his wing, learn from a Pro Bowl player, and make that 
early impact as a rookie in Chicago. To be fair, we've also seen the Bears have highly touted, exciting developmental late round picks and still stash them on the practice squad for their first season, more so because they know they can get away with it. They know someone's not just going to grab him off of the street, having not seen them at all in training camp and having them in their buildings. And maybe you grab a veteran that you can't stash on the practice squad and you develop Tonga a little bit more along the way. There's always that option in the back of their minds. But if he can establish himself as a player who needs to be in that defensive line rotation, there's a spot for him. There you go, Lauren Cox from Locked On Bears, and a big thank you to him for sending that in to us. Very interesting to hear him talk about the fact that he thinks Kairos Tonga, if he proves he's capable and able to really handle the workload that the Bears are going to throw at him, there is a roster spot available to him. And I'm also with Lauren of the opinion that if he's not necessarily uh, bad, but he's also not up to speed in terms of really being a guy that you can expect to be a backup or maybe in in the worst case scenario, a third string defensive lineman well maybe you do stash him on the practice squad for a year let him develop a little bit more and then Kyrus Tonga gets his chance in the NFL Kyrus does have his age working against him a little bit obviously having served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints so he's obviously an older prospect but I am with Lauren in the fact that Kyrus has all the opportunity ahead of him and that's really something you can say for everybody let's be clear about this the NFL is more of a meritocracy than most sports in my opinion, especially on the back end of rosters. If you have guys at the top of your roster who are potential all pros, let's say for to use another BYU example, Fred Warner, former fourth round pick of the San Francisco 49ers. Well, he's currently going to be uh, looking at signing an extremely lucrative uh, contract extension. He could be finding himself north of $18 million a year as a former fourth round pick. He has been absolutely stellar and there's not a chance in the world that the San Francisco 49ers are going to move on from a guy like Fred Warner. And there's probably 10 to 15 guys on each NFL roster that are quote unquote untouchables. Outside of that, though, you have to prove yourself every single day because the NFL, they don't care who you are, what you've done, etc. It's what can you do for me now? What have you done for me lately? It is a meritocracy. If you can go out and prove you are the best guy on the squad, then guess what? NFL teams, they work under a salary cap and they're going to bring in guys that they believe are going to give them the best bang for their buck. And as a seventh round pick with a four-year contract that isn't fully guaranteed likely for Kairos Tonga, he's have to prove himself but if he does prove himself he absolutely will have that chance to be a part of the Bears and the Bears have a very strong defensive reputation we all know that the 46 defense back in the 1980s their most recent run to the Super Bowl was keyed by Brian Erlacher and a very stingy defense that's what is exciting about the Bears is they're just their pedigree as a defensive team I know that they have an offensive minded coach in Matt Nagy right now but still their defense is absolutely critical and I'm hopeful that Kairos Tonga gets his chance to prove what he can do and goes out there and just kind of seizes that opportunity and proves that he is a guy who can be relied on. He learned a lot of lessons during his time at BYU and now will be his opportunity to go out and show it on the field. So best of luck to Kairos Tonga and once again a big thank you to Lauren Cox. If you want more on the Bears every single day make sure to check out the Locked On Bears podcast. Lauren does a great job covering all things Windy City out there in Chicago. All right, coming up next we'll wrap up the show with our look at 100 seasons of BYU football. Looking back at 1959, a new head coach takes over as the 
head coach of the BYU football program and Tally Stevens. How did things go in his initial campaign at the helm of the program? We'll get to all of that here in just a few moments. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends at Built Bar, folks. Folks, I got a new box last week from Built Bar. has an absolutely incredible new flavor, Grasshopper Cookie. Oh my goodness. By the way, I will freely admit grasshopper, anything, grasshopper pie, all that stuff. I love grasshopper. This tastes as good as any grasshopper cookie I've ever had, folks. And the best part about Built Bars is they're extremely healthy for you. High protein, high fiber, low sugar, low calories. They're the perfect treat if you're trying to lose or maintain weight, guys, but they also are healthy for you. I mean it sincerely when I say they taste like a candy bar. I absolutely love Built Bars. They have nine base flavors, obviously. You can order anytime. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, double chocolate, peanut butter brownie among those nine base flavors. But the grasshopper cookie flavors, they're limited time runs. When they sell out, they're gone. You got to take advantage and get to BuiltBar.com and check them out. Now, I would make sure you guys place your order right away. While you're there, though, when you make your order, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. You heard that right. L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your next order. Check them out now at BuiltBar.com and get enjoying the best tasting protein bars with Built Bar. All right, folks, before we go here on a Monday, of course, we need to get to our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown, and we are checking in on 1959. As the 1950s roll out, we'll get into the 1960s tomorrow. Well, 1959 dawned with a new head coach of the BYU football program. Tally Stevens takes over as the head coach. We talked about on Friday how Hal Kopp had been removed from his position after an alleged impropriety with regards to recruiting. Well, Tally Stevens took over for BYU, and there was some hope that maybe he'd be able to continue on building this program that Hal Kopp had done a good job really rebuilding on the fly, getting them to second in the conference. Well, Tally Stevens coached BYU for just two seasons, 1959 and 1960, compiling an overall record of 6-15. and 15. Yes, it was not that great. Uh, by the way, Tally Stevens also was a football player, former football player at the University of Utah, played end for the Utes. Uh, his Original name, though, is Floyd Claire Stevens. Just went by Tally was his nickname. But was a former high school coach in Utah. Was also an assistant under Hal Kopp before taking over as head coach. And like I said, the hope was that he'd kind of be able to step in, pick up where Hal Kopp left off, considering he'd been there during Kopp's run. But it just did not materialize. And 1959 was a year of struggles for BYU. They opened the year in thrilling fashion, going to Arizona and being the Wildcats 18-14 to in Tucson. But then in ensued a five-game losing streak. BYU opened up uh, going to Fresno State, losing 27-16, then were shut out by Montana, and this was just a, a debacle of a loss. Reading the Banyan BYU's yearbook from 1960, looking back on 1959, well, Montana had lost their previous 14 straight games. Let's put it this way. Montana was not good. And they came to Provo for BYU's home opener and summarily shut out the Cougars 12-0. It's just a just an absolutely awful loss. And it got BYU's tailspin going. BYU then went to Utah and played at Ute Stadium, losing 20-8. They still only have the two wins in history. They got the second one, obviously, in 1958. So there was some hope they could build a win streak. That was bounced really quickly then went to Wyoming were beaten by the Pokes 21 to 6 and then finished off the five game losing streak at home for just their second home game of the season by the way they played their 
four of their first five games on the road. Then at home against Denver, lost that game 14-7. to So BYU wasn't necessarily getting absolutely blown out by teams. They just couldn't score on offense. That was the biggest issue. BYU then did come home for a second straight game and host Utah State at Cougar Stadium and did shut out the Farmers then and out the Aggies 18 to nothing. So their second win of the year came on Halloween 1959. Then they went to New Mexico, lost that game 21 to 6, went to Arizona State, lost in Sun Devil Stadium 27 to 9, and then finished up the year with actually a pretty strong win, beating Colorado State 14 to 13 thanks to a late touchdown and a two-point conversion and then also stopping a two-point conversion that would have given the Aggies, speaking of Colorado State, the win in Provo. So BYU finished out the year in a positive fashion, obviously with the win, but they did not do well in the conference. They were 3-7 and seven overall, 2-5 and five in the Skyline Conference. That was good enough for 6th out of the 8 teams. They actually tied with Denver. So Denver technically probably would have been the what 6th place team, BYU the 7th place team despite having identical records. Utah State also a 2-5 and five record. Montana, their lone win of the season in conference play over BYU. Their lone win overall by the way. They were 1-8. and eight. Just an absolutely awful loss and kind of encapsulated how BYU struggled during the 1959 season. Some of the standout players we've talked about recently of this era included John Capelle. BYU's biggest strength was along that offensive and defensive line, and John Capelle was an absolutely phenomenal player, and he wrapped up his playing career in 1959 in addition to LeGrand Young. Grit, as you might know him, was, of course, the father of future BYU star Steve Young. Well, LeGrand Young was actually BYU's leading rusher in his senior year, rushing for a grand total of 423 yards. Yards, an average of 5.1 yards per carry. Jack Gifford was his backfield running mate, as well as Niall McFarlane, both of them sitting at 235 and 234 yards. So LeGrand Young, far and away the best back BYU had. But as we talked about, their inability to score was just, it, it really killed their chances. On the season, BYU averaged uh, averaged 10.1 points per game. Their opposition, just 16.3 points per game. Just to think about that, BYU absolutely was in most of these games, had they had a more potent offense or an ability to score more often, that would have given them their opportunity to maybe win some more games. But alas, obviously, the scoreboard is all that matters at the end of the day in sports, and 3-7 and seven was BYU's final tally. So not necessarily the greatest year, considering they were coming off a really breakthrough year under Hal Kopp, and obviously Tally Stevens, having been an uh, assistant on that team, thought, okay, I'm going to step in here, we'll just kind of continue to build, but BYU's offense did not come along as expected, and we'll talk about 1960 tomorrow, the second and final year of Tally Stevens' tenure. How did things go? Well, not necessarily all that great, but we'll break that down. That's for tomorrow's show. We'll open the 1960s on tomorrow's edition of Locked On Cougars. All right, that is going to do it for this Monday edition of the show. A big thank you once again for your continued support of the podcast. It is a blast to be with you guys each and every day. Make sure if you haven't done so already, hit that follow or subscribe button. But in addition to that, please follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are on all three platforms. Search out Locked On Cougars and follow us there. Please interact with us. We love having you guys be a part of the show. And you guys are, of course, critical to what we are doing. In addition to that, if you to reach out anytime via email, please do so. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address. And of course, you can follow my own personal Twitter feed if you want to do so 
at Jacob C. Hatch. All right, that is going to do it for this Monday edition. Of course, we'll be back tomorrow talking more about BYU sports. Plenty to recap in that regard and also talking about 1960 for the BYU football program. So until then, have a great rest of your day whenever you hear this. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for June 7th, 2021, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow.